podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. American football is coming to Ireland. Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium, Dublin, 27th of August, 2022. Good news, that's a Saturday. That means that we are going to be there, the NC Show crew, providing we can get Ollie and Mike through customs. But I'm pretty sure we can. Uh, so we should be there for this in the build-up for the game. It is going to go off. Collegefootballisland.com. That's the website to visit. Uh, register interest. Collegefootballisland.com. Get involved. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Edge Rush is back. It's like we never went away, Propo. I know, but do, do you know what the saddest thing about it is? It's like we never went away, but we are feeling the full effects of football going away, aren't we? I mean, Sundays sure. really aren't the same. Sundays definitely aren't the same. That's a hot take, hot take number one <laughs> <laughs> of the offseason. But I don't know, man, and we're going to get into a lot of stories today. I feel that, God, this is said year on year, but the, the news cycle just seems to roll year round now. I mean, I remember when I first started covering the game, there was definitely a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl where no- nothing was happening at all. You couldn't find any American news outlet really covering anything at all. And now it's just the day after everybody's talking. I mean, Rogers is helping this, of course, yeah, and we'll get exactly. into that. And there's some really interesting narratives flying around in the offseason, but it just feels like it is properly 365. Yeah, and I think the quarterback situation going into this offseason has really helped that. I mean, it's fascinating. Honestly, there was I was going through it yesterday as I was kind of preparing for this. And I was looking at it and I was like, I actually don't know who's going to start at quarterback for at least sort of 10 or 11 teams going into next season. And there's a right. long list of quarterbacks who may have not even started this season who you're thinking, sure, you actually might have a better chance going into this year because X, Y, and Z's stock has dropped massively. Yeah. But as you said, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, at this point, you're starting to question whether or not he's a plant by the NFL because he seemingly <laughs> just provides narrative and journalists' discussion points for the whole of the offseason with cryptic messages on Instagram and weird photos where he's taken himself out and all of that kind of stuff. It's like WWE and, another, and of yeah. course, other wrestling organisations where the lines between reality and fiction are blurred and it's not quite sure if all of this is a scripted game plan, game plan uh, and, and a really, really, as you suggest, smart maneuver from the NFL to keep them, uh, as as we talked about, keep them relevant in, in the offseason. Maybe it's all deliberate. Look, I it's interesting. I mean, this, well, let's start with Rogers, and we'll kind of maybe roll into into the quarterback situation next. We're going to talk about that and, and the carousel, which is something that year on year again seems to be more volatile than it used to be. I remember going into this season, there was a lot of change. If you looked year on year starters week one, and uh, and we should probably drill down and look at the stats. But I'm but I'm certain that it is becoming uh, it is more of there is more of a turnaround than than uh, before. So we'll get into that co- coaching changes as well because the way the Super Bowl rolled and all the coaching changes happened. There are a, a couple that we didn't really get into on the show. So I want to talk about that. Uh, the Flores situation, of course, mm-hmm. and, and him heading to Pittsburgh, which is a great move by the Steelers. But it, the whole thing is fascinating there around Flores and a bunch of other stuff as well. So we've got a lot to get into over the next 45 minutes or so. But let's start with Rogers. So what's your take, Gold? You think he is more or less likely to be a Packer week one of next season? Oh, I mean, the issue is, is that Instagram post did essentially say that he was going to leave Green Bay or at least he wouldn't be at Green Bay next season. I felt after reading it that it felt almost more like a retirement post than anything. Mm. But at the same time, like I think what we've seen over the past couple of days, Green Bay have been sort of moving all sorts within their organisation in terms of cap space to try and be able to fit, I guess, Devontae Adams in there and Aaron Rodgers. I think that Rodgers is simply just playing the game once again, where he's essentially saying, look, I have no problem with retiring. So teams out there who want me, including Green Bay, you're going to have to do everything you possibly can to convince me that it's worth me coming back for another year, that it's worth me, the back-to-back MVP winner, coming back for another year. And that is literally what the Denver Broncos have done as well by hiring the offensive coordinator in Green Bay from last season, Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's literally what the Denver Broncos are saying is, look, we are literally going to give you every single thing that you could want 
to succeed here in Denver. And at the same time, I'm sure Green Bay are probably going to hire an offensive coordinator who will suit uh, Aaron Rodgers down to the ground as well. I think that's what... Pat what McAfee. Aaron... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or AJ Hawk or something like that. Yeah, anyone, any, Or maybe just the whole Pat McAfee team. Just all of the team. Yeah, maybe just all the whole Pat McAfee team. He, he could be the offensive coordinator. But at the same time, like I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now. He's basically just saying to everyone, all right, here, here I am, I'm available again. We're going to go through this all over again. Who is going to convince me that they are the best option for me? Because I think what we saw, especially with last season and what we've seen with the effectiveness of the Matt Stafford trade, mm-hmm. is it's been proven that that way of going all in works and is also some somewhat a necessity, especially if you're in the AFC going into next season. I mean, I don't think that you can come out of the AFC if you don't have an elite quarterback, when you look at the fact that you have Josh Allen at the Bills, Patrick Mahomes at the Chiefs, Joe Burrow at the Bengals now, you've got Justin Herbert at the Chargers, and you've got Lamar Jackson at the Ravens. I don't see a way of a team being strong enough in other positions to be able to overcome those teams and their elite quarterbacks. And it's a a really interesting point when you look at the, you were suggesting that the NBAization of the NFL with this approach to going all in, which which has to be situational and has to be contextual, right? It, it's the collection of other players you've got. You think, right, yeah, this is our moment, but it's also divisionally, yeah, we should be able to storm that and get a high playoff berth uh, if we make this move. The conference is open. This is our time. You can't really, it's harder to make that assessment, I guess, when you look at that collection of quarterbacks in the AFC who are all 25 or under, right? I mean, they're just going to be around for, exactly. for the next 10, 12 years. So that's a, that is a difficult call. On the Rogers post, uh, the, the Instagram post that you mentioned, there are a couple of things that stood out to me. Firstly, props to Rogers for a reader book once in a while. I love that. I love that. He rolled that in as well. So saluting that. Uh, uh, is that a nod to Jay-Z? Jay-Z phrased <laughs> it differently. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, love that. Uh, I also love the uh, Kurt Benkert nod. So I was like, well, okay, that's obviously Nathaniel Hackett. Let's talk about Lafleur. These are people he's 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 bigging up. Jordan Love tagged in, and then Kurt Benkert is like, who, what? Kurt Benkert, shout out to him. So Kurt on the, uh, the in the Packers depth chart. Uh, so there was some good stuff on there. Uh, the font he used as well was quite interesting. I felt kind of, kind of greeting card style font for the first picture. So, Your journalistic integrity is really coming out here by analysing the font on Aaron Rodgers. First thing I saw, the first thing I thought, this looks like a greeting card you could buy in a petrol station <laughs> <laughs> when you've forgotten everything else from sort of the early 80s start. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing because we're hearing this with Brady and I guess if we're talking quarterback carousel and the quarterback situation, since you and I last caught up, of course, that story kind of developed and it's tenuous in my eyes, this idea that if Brady comes back, he'll, it'll be San Francisco because it's just an easy, easy story, isn't it? He's going to go home. It's the team he loved as a kid, and it all makes sense. I was listening to uh, an, one of the ESPN insiders talking, uh, his, I can't remember which one it was, but it was on a show where he was talking, making a really good point. The reason why Tampa was a practical solution and a choice for Brady was because his son Jack is in New York on the East Coast, so they kind of ease the family thing. So the idea of switching coast just doesn't stack up at all. But Brady's teased it, or it's kind of come out there that, well, you know, never say never, and you never quite know. And this, I think, is this situation we're going to be in to a less acute degree with Rogers, right? I think that at the moment, I'm not sure he he necessarily knows what he wants to do. I think he might well look at the opportunities and situations. He's come out and said, I'm only going to go to a contender, or effectively said that, right? He's not going to... He's not going to take another gig. He's 38. Mm-hmm. I reckon, I mean, Denver's an interesting spot that he's been long linked with. And there's no doubt that him going there would make them serious contenders. I think that they, if they can sort a solid quarterback out, they'll be contenders anyway next year. So if they get a, a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. So I think that is intriguing. But what other spots realistically who would have this cap space, have the capital that they'd be prepared to give up, have the contending side? I mean, is it just Green Bay... Denver and I guess San Francisco has to be on the table for him as well. Yeah, I don't see um, San Francisco being on the table purely because I don't see him moving within the NFC. I don't see Green Bay doing that. 
And I just don't mm. think they would come to that kind of agreement. Because the other one that people were suggesting was Tampa Bay, that they do one last yeah. weird cap space manoeuvre to try and convince Aaron Rodgers to come and just say this is the last kind of window for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. So that could potentially be an option. The only other one that I could see happening would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. But again, mm. now I'm not sure they necessarily have the cap space, but they kind of have the offensive weapons in Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris. And obviously with the addition of Brian Flores on the defensive staff, mm. it's likely that they're also going to have an elite defense once again this year. And obviously one of the better coaches in the NFL in Mike mm. Tomlin and a very, very well run organization from top to bottom. So I think those are the only possible locations. But at the same time is I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers is especially if Green Bay keep Devontae Adams, it's not an improvement on Green Bay, is it? Yeah, right. So Green Bay is perhaps his best shot of winning on the Super Bowl. And I, I think that might yeah. occur to him, particularly if they pay him, you know? And I'm not saying that we hear this all the time. Our friend Shane Breen tells us that when you get to this age, rings, and you've made as much money as Rogers has, rings are, are overwhelmingly the most important thing, but that's got to be a factor as well. The, they're going to go all in to keep him. If he thinks my best shot is... I think that's what he'll make the base decision on. I think he'll weigh up the options he's got and where is the best, irrespective of anything else, all that has been said and talked about, where is the best shot of winning another ring? And if that's Green Bay, he stays. I think that's what he'll base the decision on. Do you think, well, this is one of those narratives that I've seen exhausted, um, especially when linking Aaron Rodgers to Denver, is, and I feel like I know your answer to this, considering how much you hate old takes, but do you find it a little bit odd that everyone's kind of saying, well, Peyton Manning went to the Denver Broncos and won a Super Bowl <laughs> in the yeah. uh, twilight of his career, yeah. even though, as you would say, completely different organisations. Literally, the only thing what's the same there was John Elway. Apart from that, it is literally a completely different team, completely yeah. different coaching staff. Yeah. So how can you compare the two of them, apart from the fact that it's just the location of where he would be going? <laughs> exactly. It's just but it's just a classic, like, oh, Peyton Manning did that thing. So it, yes. surely if Aaron oh, Rodgers that's... goes, they'll have the same, the same output. Oh, it's amazing how, how that, that those things work. It's like, oh, heavyweight Hall of Fame quarterback made a move to this town nine years ago, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever the hell it was. I mean, my God. Yeah, I, I, it, and you mentioned Devontae Adams. We're going to look at some players that are, are likely to be tagged or in that mix as well. And he obviously is uh, in that frame. I mean, the Packers, well, this is interesting. So I think at the moment they have to, right? But given, given the situation, they have to tag him because if they don't, then that might well be game over for any hope of retaining Rodgers so that's a lock isn't it that they that they tag him they definitely will franchise tag him because then at the worst they trade him for uh, at least a first round pick or probably more than that because they will have the capability to keep him there at the very least for a season so I think they definitely franchise tag Devontae Adams and if worse they give themselves more time to negotiate a long-term deal with him if he does necessarily want to stay there or they do find a way to trade him and probably get quite a, a lot and a big chunk of change back for him but mm. at the same time I do I don't see why Aaron Rodgers would necessarily leave Green Bay if he is going to stay in the NFL I do think it is his best situation but Denver Broncos is a really appealing um, it's a really really appealing destination for him for various reasons a great defence as we discussed many a times they have a great selection of weapons. I still think Javante Williams is slept on in this league. I think he yeah. had an incredible rookie season. I think we're going to see him break out next year into being one of the stars at the running back position. And so I think that Aaron Rodgers, if he's going to go anywhere, Denver is the only possible other other destination for him. But I think he's going to stay in Green Bay now. I really do. He seems to get on well with Matt LaFleur. They've had success. Yeah. Yes, they had some poor performances in the playoffs, but at the same time, like I think if he really thinks that this is going to be his last couple of seasons or even just his last season mm. and all he wants is a ring, let's be real. Like, I think that's the one thing we do know about Aaron Rodgers. The only reason he will come back is to win a ring. His best, his best like chance of that is definitely with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's more likely that he comes back as opposed to, to retiring as well. And look, Going back 10 minutes, who the hell knows what, yeah, <laughs> what exactly. this guy's going to do, right? But I would be amazed, based on everything we think we know about Rodgers, that he, given the fact he's had successive MVP seasons and the Packers will be a contending team again next year, he's going to want to roll the dice again to get another ring. I, you know, if he had three rings in the locker, maybe he would walk away, yeah. you know? But I, I think it's it, he's going to be driven by this fact that He's only got one ring. Uh, and, and I find that whole critique 
uh, interesting, you know, in the same way that, uh, of course, the importance of winning rings in terms of legacy is, is noted, but we all know the number of examples where that is a fallacy and that there's so much more to it than rings. You know, Marino is, is of course, the name that always comes out and, and, and on both sides of that, right, that it, you always think of Marino as one of the all-time great quarterbacks, but he never won. You know, because Rogers has got one, of course, creating uh, another Super Bowl run would cement his legacy. But I don't think it's really going to affect the evaluation of how great he is. I mean, there's Brady and there's everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. But and I don't think it's going to, uh, I don't think it's going to affect uh, that a huge amount. But I think to him it is. I think it's going to irk him that editorial coverage all the time is how's the only one won Super Bowl ring how do the Packers let this end god they've been contenders virtually every season it's just the fine margins of what is ostensibly a knockout tournament in the end I mean and any coach in in virtually any sport will tell you the same thing look at Guardiola when he's weighing up the Champions League versus the the league right that that it's it's hard to win a knockout tournament you need a huge amount of luck timing uh, and all kinds of other factors and a lot of games as we saw only two weeks ago come down to the wire and the finest of margins. This idea that his career is tainted by failure because he's only got one ring is one of the, the more stupid narratives that flies around, I think. 100%. But sadly, that is one of the detriments of American sport and specifically only having one championship for each sport. It means that it, everything right. becomes about that. Even when you watch the NBA and sort of if you watch the inside the NBA on TNT, all you hear about Shaquille O'Neal and Kenny saying to Charles Barkley is the fact that he hasn't got any rings. He hasn't got any rings. He hasn't got any <laughs> yeah, rings. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? As yeah. much as it is considering everything in context, how difficult it is to win a championship, no matter how great a player you are with everything coming together. Like that's why I was so happy for Aaron Donald and right. Andrew Whitworth over the, what we saw with the LA Rams. Examples, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why it's so great for those kind of players and those level of players to win, but it's not easy. There are so many great players in all sports. You look at baseball, NBA, you look at the NFL, they all have examples of some of the greatest players ever not winning a championship. And as mm. much as their play will never, ever be disregarded, you have to assume that the bragging rights, especially between the players, is always going to go to the ones who do have the rings. I mean, it's for Kenny to give Charles Barkley stick on that show, considering how different they were in calibre of player is absolutely insane. And I'm sadly, I think Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, when he comes yeah. across certain quarterbacks, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to leave the NFL with the same amount of Super Bowl championships as Trent Dilfer is definitely going to bother him. <laughs> Trent always gets wheeled out. Well, how do you feel about, last one on Rodgers, and we'll talk about the rest, but how do you feel about Rodgers as, as, a, as a character? You know, now you've had a bit of time to reflect on this season and uh, the the COVID situation, which he came out, of course, and uh, apologised. Actually, the apology was interesting. What He was... Uh, and I'm paraphrasing a bit because I don't have the precise quote in front of me, but it was something like, I'd like to f- uh, apologize to uh, his his wife, uh, you know, Shailene Woodley, mm-hmm. um, those uh, close to me and my agents. <laughs> it's the way, <laughs> it's the way <laughs> clearly he's not close to his agents. Uh, nearest to dearest, I think he said, and my agents. <laughs> so he kind of gave them a nod, but not really in, in his nearest and dearest inner circle. But look, he came out and was contrite and said, look, it's what I put them through. And, Without getting into too contentious situation here with, uh, I think we, we're both aligned politically on the the vaccine situation. And I think yeah. the majority, I suspect the majority of our listeners are, but, you know, equally, I understand the different perspectives. And uh, looking back at that situation now, the fact that he's had this extraordinary season again on the field, uh, all the... McAfee appearances and media ops and Jeopardy, of course, come rolling into the season, how he treated the Packers in the offseason, this Instagram post. Where are you at with Rogers? Do you find him an intriguing character, an annoying character? Do you like him? Where are you at? It's interesting, isn't it? I think the one thing that I've come to learn with uh, professional athletes, especially being around them more and more, being on Radio Row and seeing the way they're treated, being on Premier League footballers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Seeing the way they're treated. I mean, it's probably quite hard to ever find someone who is going to disagree with you consistently or kind of take you 
take you on on certain things. And I think that it would be quite easy to be in that situation, especially if you're Aaron Rodgers, especially if you're surrounded probably by people who are just there to try and stay in your circle and trying to keep you happy and to try and make your life easier the whole time. Mm. I think it's quite easy that if you get on onto a certain narrative or if you get onto a certain thought, that you could just get carried away with it without realizing the actual implications of it and how sort of big of what you're saying is considering how much influence you have. And I think I kind of see that with Aaron Rodgers here. I think no matter what he believes, I think he was incredibly naive to think that what he was saying there wasn't going to have a massive impact and wasn't going to cause a massive ripple effect within the NFL and outside of the NFL, because it's Aaron Rodgers saying all of these things, which are pretty contentious. And I think we saw it's hard probably not to think you're the the real deal and to think that you are the bee's knees if you are Aaron Rodgers, because I think you probably have to be to a certain extent to be able to produce that level of output that consistently and to be able to perform on the biggest stage. So I think that, I think there has to be a level of arrogance that comes with Aaron Rodgers. And I think we've seen that. And I think we yeah. saw that throughout those interviews and the way that he kind of approached it, kind of saying that this is my thought. And this is like, I think that everyone else is kind of just buying into something without kind of looking into it. I thought that was incredibly arrogant when you look at the professionals that have researched into the vaccine. Um, but Joe, Rogan's told him. Joe Rogan told yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Joe Rogan you know, you know, it's, a re- it's a really interesting perspective, all because it, 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 and spot on, if you think about, again, mass generalization, but think about where massive Hollywood stars like A-listers or rock and roll stars or or whatever recording artists that get to that superstar level. And a lot of them do go off the rails. And in particular, it's egomania, right? But then the NFL and other team sports and not just, not just unique to the NFL, there is a regulation of sorts where with superstars and again, (laughs) exceptions, but at quarterbacks, typically Brady is maybe the prototype of this, right? a megastar and yet he and therefore has that complete drive innate self-belief at a different level to virtually every other human being and complete confidence in himself but he also has always been a team player right even in Tampa Bay and you mm-hmm. read and listen to how he handled himself in in Tampa Bay and how he managed the uh, camaraderie and the uh, the adopted the role of a leader in the purest sense which was based on a balance of that i'm the governor with we're all in this together and i, I guess the nfl in particular but team sports generally require that right and and and, and enable that and so whereas hollywood and, and entertainment and, and that whole world <laughs> you can just go off the deep end and uh, even though both the megastars both are surrounded by yes men both are making gazillions of dollars and Rogers, I think that's what I find fascinating about him. And you've nailed it is he's quite a contrarian in that respect. You know, he is definitely quite a subversive character and he is, uh, he doesn't seem to play that game no. or want to want to play that game. And I think that's what puts a lot of people off, but also I think what makes it, what makes him intriguing and the fact that he somehow has managed to stay at the very top of his game despite that you know and i wonder whether if rogers was a slightly different character and it had approached things a bit differently what impact that would have had on on his career would he have been even more successful do you know it's really interesting when you were just saying that what i was thinking is probably the archetype difference between tom brady and aaron rogers is the fact that every time tom brady got negative press whether it was deflate gay whether it was about an argument bill belichick Mm. he would always use that to fuel the fire for his team not only himself but the team he would always probably put those tweets on in the locker room and say look they're doubting us they're saying all of these reasons why we shouldn't win that's why we need to prove them wrong Mm. whereas it doesn't necessarily feel like Aaron Rodgers did that especially this season when he was surrounded by controversy Mm. I do feel like sometimes he has the tendency to kind of go within himself and kind of not utilize those moments to kind of channel the fire or kind of stimulate a fire especially within himself and within the team Mm. and I think that is one difference but at the same time we're comparing Aaron Rodgers to the greatest ever and arguably the greatest ever team sportsman of all time Mm. considering what he has been able to do in the game so I think it's a tough comparison and sadly one that Aaron Rodgers had to deal with all his career just because of the timeline but yeah I think Aaron Rodgers the one thing I would say about Aaron Rodgers is a bit weird Mm, hot take (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's just a bit of a weirdo like that's the only thing I would say about him is I get like weird vibes yeah, I see. Yeah, I mean, I the 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 choice of I mean, I'm not going to give any take on it because it feels like it's been done to death. But suffice <laughs> to say that 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 I think you could summarize Aaron Rodgers' intrigue 
that are based on and down to his choice of attire for the uh, for the awards. <laughs> I think that's that did that decision alone. Was it someone else? Was he is it a ruse? Was he taking the piss? <laughs> is that what he likes? Is that what he likes to wear? I mean, just that's all we need to really say. And no more on Aaron Rodgers apart from that. Uh, in terms of other quarterback situations. Yes, I so, was going to ask you, actually. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So if we both agree that we think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay, mm-hmm. who do you think? is the best possible, and there's a lot of notes to this, best possible realistic solution for the Denver Broncos, considering that they they have the team that is ready to go if they get the right quarterback. So who do you think is the best realistic possible solution for them? Well, God, that is a tough one. Do you know who some people are saying? Matt Ryan? No, Carson Wentz. Yes, well, Carson Wentz. So let's think of the list here, So because this will help get us into that. I've got got the list in front of me, actually. I've got the... I've got so, I've gone through it because it's fascinating because there's going to be probably about three or four of these quarterbacks are going to have starting jobs next year just with mm. the way the NFL is set up right now and what's going on with the draft. So I don't think anyone trades for Matt Ryan. He is set to have the biggest cap hit, hit yeah. next season in NFL history. Yeah. So I just think that that immediately, unless they can find a way to restructure his contract, I think that immediately takes him out of sort of the the trade block. But the, I agree, uh, and it's it's a point that well made, but. Exactly. Restructuring a contract. We're talking about all in. We're talking about yeah. he's at the stage of his career where he has True. a few rolls of the dice left. I wonder if that could could happen. Who And cap space wise, the Broncos have enough to, to be able to pull someone out of that off? Probably, but they're, they're, I guess, and the one thing that they're, they're, I guess the appeal for the Denver Broncos then is that they wouldn't have to give necessarily as much up in a trade five, as they would five for like draft Aaron first Rogers. rounders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I think the point with the Matt Ryan is you're also trading for that contract in theory. So the Atlanta Falcons would probably accept less because they would probably want to open up free agency and kind of start the rebuild that they're desperate to do. Mm. Okay. So Wentz is, is, and there's a lot of rumblings about him, right? So, Kirk Cousins potentially has got one year on his deal, but now O'Connell's coming in and saying he is going to base his and you know base it all around Kirk, and I'm going to do that. And uh, so you would think that it would be an incredible 180 if if everything changes in the short term there. So I'd be surprised. Although this is where Watson comes into the mix, and we you know we've got to look at the Watson factor in all of this. Do we? I think we do. I think we do. So civil cases. One yeah. thing, there are criminal, quite a few criminal investigations still going on in Texas, right, a- against him as well. So even if he settles the civil cases, the latter might take uh, a good chunk of time to, to play out. There's obviously no way any team's going to do a deal until it's mm. clear that he's not going to be put on the exempt list. But I think he could be a factor in this, depending on on how quickly that, that plays out. Obviously. Do you know who he wanted to play with as well? Or do you know whose organisation he wanted to join? Brian Flores's. Yeah. <sighs> Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. So that's that's a that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so but at the Wentz, same, yeah. Wentz Cousins, you've got Jimmy G, obviously. Well, all, G. All, obviously, yeah, the 49ers definitely moving on. Yeah, they're definitely moving on. I, I think that I think we're I think we're pretty sure with that. The Jimmy G uh post, raw, press conference. Raw, right? I don't know. Okay, so Jimmy I think G. they go with Trey Lance from this. You don't trade up and trade Damn. what they did for the third pick to not as a contender. Do you sure they want to? Let's have another look at him for a little bit longer before you know. I wonder if no, they this isn't best. Jordan Love. I think this is. I think they're ready to go with Trey really? Lance. They're ready to go with Trey. So we got Wentz Cousins, Jimmy G. Well, Cousins maybe. Uh, Jimmy G. Uh, who else? Who else? Did you see the uh, the Shefty tweet about Russell Wilson? Oh, what did he say? I didn't see it. If a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to are the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, and the Bears. If that list, that was the list that got leaked to last season, right? Didn't that? Oh, so the same list? Yeah, they exactly. Wilson. Well, there's a story that came out that if he goes, those are the team. So it was the Bears, the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the Saints, right? Yeah. Are the Bears more intriguing now as a proposition? I mean, their head coaching hire was interesting, I thought. And a, a number of people have made this point that given the field's factor is what makes them particularly interesting, taking a defensively minded head coach was an interesting move. I thought it was a really interesting move, but I think it was kind of stereotypical of what we've seen from the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. in recent years. I think at the same well, time... Historically as well, we're all about defense. Historically, it's all about defense. And I think there's stronger unit still is the defense. Mm. But at the same time, this is nothing against Matt Eberflus. I think what he did with that Indianapolis Colts defense was really impressive. The kind of the level of... Um, 
the level of output he got from his players was very impressive. He's clearly a great motivator. He's clearly a great scheming coach. But at the same time, like when you've got someone like Justin Fields, who clearly needs a bit of creativity and clearly needs a little bit of sort of attention to kind of be constructed into the quarterback that the Bears want him to be, I think it was quite a interesting move to go for a defensively minded head coach mm. when clearly the direction you kind of want to gear your team in, especially for the short term is to try and develop this offense around a new young QB who you have drafted early. Do you know what I mean? Like that doesn't yeah. make much sense to me. I know that. Well, absolutely. I think that's why, why people are, are scratching, scratching their heads on that. I mean, looking at, uh, looking at who he's put around because the, yeah, the offensive coordinator is Luke Getty, right? Who was the Packers quarterbacks coach. And and their passing game coordinator, so it kind of offsets it. But he's he's raw, and and hey, that doesn't necessarily matter, right? Because it's all the rage now to hire thirty three year olds who haven't had a huge amount of experience, and and it seems to be working out for most of them. But yeah, you've got a new GM as well. I mean, it, it could be they could be one of the most interesting organizations in the NFL over the next couple of years. You know, the Fields factor if Eberfuss works out, a young dynamic GM. I mean, yeah, they could roll. Looking at some of the O'Connell hires in terms of his assistants uh, in Minnesota, you know, one name really jumped out uh, at me. Wes Phillips, who is Wade Phillips's son and Bum Phillips' grandson, of course. Uh, <laughs> so he's grandson of Bum. Uh, that, yeah, so the, the Phillips dynasty continues there. So he rolls in. So yeah, the interesting stuff that O'Connell is putting together. What do you make of that higher full stop, him getting getting the Vikings gig? I really like it for one reason and one reason only. What we've seen from Kevin O'Connell this season specifically was an incredible capability to get the best out of his wide receivers. And I think if you look at the Minnesota Vikings, their best unit is their wide receiving unit with Justin Jefferson, who's likely to be one of the best wide receivers going forward for the next 10 years. Mm. If they can keep Thielen fit, he is Mm. one of the better second options that they have in the league. And I really think that KJ Osborne could probably take it to another level next season. And seeing what Stafford was able to do with Cooper Cup this season, seeing what Stafford was able to do with either Robert Woods or OBJ in the postseason. Mm. I think if Kevin Con- Kevin O'Connell can draw up a scheme which allows Kirk Cousins to get the best out of Justin Jefferson, which I think is something arguably we didn't see necessarily this season, was as much as Justin Jefferson still had a great year, Kirk Cousins still had a great year, I still think there was moments that the Vikings looked a little bit clueless when Justin Jefferson was double teamed. And, I mean, Cooper Cup was double teamed for pretty much the whole of the postseason and still broke every single postseason record pretty much and ended up with a Super Bowl MVP. And I think that when it comes to the NFL, they're all incredibly good coaches, hot take. They're all incredibly good players because they've had to get to the top and they've had to be so incredible to get to this position. So I think that no one, no matter how much you can diss the Detroit Lions, no matter how much you can diss the Jacksonville Jaguars, no one is not preparing as much as they possibly can for the game ahead of six o'clock on Sunday or wherever they start. But I think where I kind of look at coaches and I really give them more credit and this is why I'm such a massive fan of Lou Adarumo, as you know, the Cincinnati Bengals defensive coordinator, is because of how amazing his adjustments were. Yeah. And what we've seen from Kevin O'Connell throughout the postseason was Cooper Cup had quiet first halves in pretty much every single game in the postseason. And especially in some of the games at the end of the regular season, because people were trying to work out how to stop him. But by the fourth quarter, as much as Cooper Cup is an incredible player and he'd be able to take advantage of a tired defence, Kevin O'Connell had found a way to get Cooper Cup the ball as much as he possibly could. I mean, look at that last drive in the Super Bowl. It was literally just Cooper Cup the Mm -hmm. whole way. And I think as much as you can say, yeah, but that's Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson has the capability to be that guy for Mm -hmm. the Minnesota Vikings. And I think Kirk Cousins, as much as in the general consensus of the NFL, he is considered quite rubbish but like i think that's quite harsh like i think he mm-hmm. he actually statistically had a good year and i think he's a pro given, bowler <laughs> yeah he's a pro yeah exactly considering i think he has the the possible like the, the capability to yeah agree provide justin jefferson with good enough service to have a year like that so for sure pretty, i love this this i love this appointment purely just because of what i think we could see with justin jefferson next season and how exciting really, it could be really really interesting point so uh loving your work on that and yeah i i'm with you on cousins he's a malign figure he's an easy 
easy figure to criticize because he is in that he's the, he's the poster boy really for that bang average pro right you know yeah. that, that's that's kind of where he's at but i think that uh, that's not necessarily a fair representation of him but i wonder if uh cousins could uh could shut some of the haters up this season. Interesting, interesting setup. There. In the so, NFC, outside of Aaron Rodgers, so if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver yeah. or retires, in the NFC, outside of the NFC West, yeah. Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback in the NFC. <laughs> I think he might be. Matt I Ryan? Be. Matt yeah, Ryan? I, I mean, I would I would take Matt Ryan over Kirk Cousins just because I've always liked Matt Ryan. And, but I mean, it's not it's not exactly a massive massive jump there. I mean, it's yeah. I, I mean, think honestly, if like, you're if you're preparing for this season, I think which conference you're in massively affects how you prepare going into this year. I think if you're in the AFC and you want to contend, you almost have to go all in. I think if you're the Denver yeah. Broncos, you almost have to go after a Russell Wilson type or an Aaron Rodgers type to really give yourself a chance to go deep in the playoffs or yeah. to make the Super Bowl. In the NFC, realistically, I think with a Jimmy G, a Kirk Cousins, a Matt Ryan, you got a shot. You have a, you have a shot. You got a shot. Yeah. So let's go back to that list, right? Because you, you asked me, well, who did Denver go for? So, so yeah. we, got st- we got stuck on... Because <laughs> Kirk, Kirk Cousins, we think, probably isn't going anywhere. So we got Carson Wentz, Jimmy G... Who else is going to be on? I mean, if Watson comes back in, and I know it's a big if, then someone will be available because who, obviously whoever yeah. takes him is going to uh, is going to bounce somebody else out. Uh, you've got who? Jameis Winston. Winston, yeah, really okay. interesting one. I think that he, considering what he did last season, I think it would be a travesty if Jameis doesn't have a starting spot after mm. last year. I mean, the Saints were actually five and two without him, with him last year, and then just fell apart without him. So I think that James Winston definitely deserves a starting spot, depending on how he comes back on his injury. Do you know who's the one who's interesting to me, Nat? These are the two that I want you to tell me whether you think deserve a starting spot next year. Based on the fact that if you look at like Teddy Bridgewater starting this season, Taylor Heineke starting this season, yeah. you had Davis Mills starting this season, Andy Dalton, etc. Marcus Mariota yep. and Gardner Minshew. Both great chats. Mariota was a name I've just written down. Yeah. Really. And, and I guess as well with Mariota, he has moved to the because they're using him as a pinch hitter in, in those in those situations to kind of bring him in and, and run it and uh, not exclusively, but typically that's when the, what they'll do. I wonder if that whilst that's kind of kept it invisible, it's it's again slightly diminished his the perception of him. Because yeah, I think he's definitely a viable starter and in the NFL for the very reasons you just said when you're looking at quarterbacks who are certainly not demonstrably stronger than him and you could argue the stage of their career like Dalton now 2021 Dalton 2022 Dalton versus Marcus Mariota I mean yeah I think I'd roll with the with the latter in, again depending on obviously on the the offense that was being constructed but yeah I, I think he has definitely got more to give Minshew as well is, is the name that many people were perplexed as to why he didn't get didn't get a, more of a shot last season and and i can understand that so i think it would not surprise me if either of them at least landed in camp and had a shot if they're in a situation where it is against you know a heineke of fits a, a teddy kind of player that 26 to 32 ranked teams with quarterbacks at that that ranking yeah whether they will have a, a viable training camp shot Jameis. so you think that Jameis will bounce out of the saints I don't know whether he will, but I think they should keep him. I think the Saints should keep Jameis Winston. I think he's probably their best option going into next season, considering how well I don't think Dennis Allen's going to change much about that New Orleans, New Orleans Saints team. If they can keep the personnel the same, I think they'll keep the offense relatively the same. And I think Jameis Winston has proven that he can work that offense. And I think we've also now come to terms with the fact that Taysom Hill isn't necessarily a starter in the NFL. Have we come to terms with it? Yeah, I think we have <laughs> I come haven't, to terms with that. I yeah. haven't come to terms with no, that. No, I think I'm still struggling with that. that now. <laughs> it took me a while, but I think I have come to terms with You're that. You're okay with that now? Um, and so I think that they should keep him there. The other fascinating. Uh, destination that is the place that seemingly will try everything mm. and fail at everything when it comes to quarterback position what on earth are the carolina panthers going to do <laughs> all right god what are they going to do i mean what is that what pick have they got they're what about 10 sixth are they are they six yeah i think they are six uh let's have a look to it or ninth. ninth yeah i thought they were kind of yeah that's what ninth. i figured they were kind of yeah so 
we need to get we get a college days rolling and, and we're going to be doing a lot of college days obviously as we build up to the draft and really getting into that or do get Ben to do a mock draft and get you up to speed and all the players you need to be looking out for so maybe that's an option for them I mean looking at the moment I'm just seeing if any draft Knicks have got I mean they haven't got Kenny Pickett's usually, they've got them going at sort of like 11 or 12 to like Washington, isn't it? That's where everyone's got kind of going first. And then isn't it Matt Corral a little bit later on? Yeah, From what I've seen, I've been trying to look Corral at the quarterback. Yeah, I've been trying to look at the, I've been um, watching a load of mock drafts and it seems like, it doesn't, like every time that they pick a quarterback, all of the analysts, you know, a lot more than me, I keep kind of saying like, he could be good. Yeah, you know, it's, it's got it's got a lot of that where it's like, but I don't think he's ready to start in this league, and I think he would need the right situation. So perfect um, for Carolina to draft. Yeah, <laughs> to draw. exactly. So I think that Carolina, it would be quite bold of them to draft a quarterback and expect him to start week one. But I don't see Sam Darnold or Cam Newton being their week one starter either. After what we saw from them last season, you're I mean, right. It's, Carolina it's, got six. They got the sixth pick. Yeah. They got the sixth pick. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, it they're would not going to take a quarterback there because there are, are so no. many better players. From what I've from what I've heard, there are so many better players ahead of the quarterbacks that that would be a massive reach. So unless they trade yeah. back, yeah, they might draft. Or, uh, trade yeah, down that and, might be what they do in this situation. But at the same time, that organization, like Malik Willis, maybe, yeah, they, yeah. They, after they, trading for Sam Darnold last season, oof. they are in a sticky situation. Do you know what I think would make a lot of sense, considering that the Indianapolis Colts? Um, have basically Jim Irsay has basically come out and said that Carson Wentz isn't his guy. I mean, mm. at the end of the day, this Indianapolis Colts team, as good as Phil Roberts was in his last year, were a playoff team. Carson Wentz arrived; they weren't a playoff. Yeah, team. but I think that I think look, again, it's it's dependent, of course, on not a number of the players we talked about and the options. But unless they've got a really clear game plan, a, a marked uplift, Jimmy G. Would I would say would be probably, but and again, not not dramatically so. And that we're Jimmy G apologists, right? But I don't think that Jimmy G Carson Wentz to Jimmy G is like, oh well, that's going to change everything. I mean, I think it's probably an improvement, but I don't think it's a dramatic change. But I think what it is is it suits the Indianapolis Colts more. I think the Colts will look at Jimmy G and just say that guy has had success. He's been to a Super Bowl and he's been to an NFC Championship game with a great run offense and a great defense. And I think that's what the Colts are kind of going to build around sure. now and kind of use that as their sort of blueprint for what they do next season. They went with mm. Wentz. It was kind of a little bit more risky mm. and it, they got burnt effectively. We mm. saw in the Jacksonville Jaguars game, he was absolutely abject and it meant that they lost their effectively their first playoff game of the season, which was the one against the Jags, the worst team in the league. So but is Jimmy I think- G basically the only player that, if fair, but if, if that's the case, and they don't get Jimmy G, then do they stay? Is Carson Wentz the better the devil you know? I guess is what I'm saying here. Probably. I think, I think, I don't know. I think that they are, I think they're really done with Carson Wentz. From what Jim Irsay said in terms of his approach to Carson, I think they're looking at this, which is like Carson Wentz is just not the right guy for us. We made a massive mistake. As much as we they thought that Frank Reich was going to be able to get the best out of him because of what he did with him in Philly, mm-hmm. I think they look at it and just say he's not the kind of quarterback that is going to have success with this team because what we need is someone more like Phil Rivers was in his last season, which is a game manager, someone who isn't necessarily going to make much mistakes, make many mistakes, but isn't going to sort of take the game. But Rivers did, I mean, he did, I, I hear you. And you're right, it yeah. looks like they're giving up on him. But I, I you know, short, short memories forget that everybody said, well, you know, if the Colts had had a strong quarterback and less error-prone, Rivers being Rivers, and he's, he's knackered, and if they'd have... But I think they got a more error-prone quarterback. They got they? even yeah. more error-prone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They went um, the opposite direction and went and got an even more yeah. error-prone quarterback. So, I mean, even like Marcus Mariota, I don't think that would yeah. necessarily be a bad, a bad choice for them. But again, that's me kind of going off what I've, a very short amount of Marcus Mariota that I've seen. But if he can be a decent game manager, he's athletic, so he can still kind of do the, make the run plays that Carson Wentz can. And at the same time, if they really hone in on a very strong system, yeah. he could just keep the ball rolling, get first downs and kind of be that game manager that I think the Colts are looking for this season. Who do the Bucks go for? Yeah, that's a fascinating one. That is an absolutely fascinating one. I thought Jameis Winston mm. seemed like... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I was thinking that James... Thinking to myself, Jameis Winston seems like a decent... Um, possibility for them because I honestly think he's the best out of the unrestricted free agents. I think that if they're going to have someone who they can pay on one of those one-year deals, yeah, I think he's the best choice. I mean, I don't think they're really 
going to trade for anyone necessarily. And they are also in a serious cap issue. I've seen a couple people suggest that Jimmy G is going to go there, Mm. which would just be Jimmy G forever living in Tom Brady's shadow. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, But I don't know. I mean, honestly, it is fascinating. Like where is Fitz, where's Fitzpatrick going to end up? Would he be a decent choice for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into this season? I think there's the possibility he could do. So, I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, again, that is one which I have no idea. The Washington Commanders, now we have to call them. I think that I don't think Taylor <laughs> Heineke is going to be there starting quarterback next season. Yeah. I really don't. I think as much as me and you love him, I think they're going to want someone who is can be a bit more of a calming influence in the dressing room, someone who can really kind of reestablish the identity of this team. And considering all the noise going on around it, I think they'll probably want a more mature, established quarterback who will be able to be a good sort of figurehead and representation for this organization like a Teddy Bridgewater. Nick Foles. Nick Foles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Foles, but, I mean, again, like, it's Washington. honestly, the whole, like, is Andy uh, Dalton going to get another gig? Is Nick Foles yeah. going to get another gig? It, like For all the superstars and the next generation, young generation, there is actually quite a disproportionate number of run-of-the-mill quarterbacks, either because they're kind of coming towards the end, they haven't really... They've rolled for a while. And then like Jake Delon, that guy was, th- I think of him, you know, had a, I mean, an incredible start and was a serviceable, but they're kind of like Carson Wentz, you know, they're a lot of players like that. Yeah. And there's a, it's going to be, it's particularly with the draft, not being rich with four or five players that a couple of which you could be reasonably confident to, to go now with. Yeah. The interesting, interesting times. I've got a question X on one for you. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Cleveland Browns. Oh, they're de- definitely gonna definitely gonna stay with for that very reason, you know. Exactly. And this is why I think the Colts might be making a mistake too, because for everything you said, and I don't think it's deniable that Wentz and his errors and his shortcomings were a problem for a solid side. Don't forget injuries were a factor there as well. And, and definitely, we've got to bear that in mind. And let's give even a more experienced quarterback like Wentz. Time to bet into an offense. And for all kinds of reasons, I think, given the slim market, they'd be better off with him than virtually any, any other option that, that we said. And I reckon the Browns are definitely in that situation. Do you or I or everybody at home listening now feel confident that Baker makes them a Super Bowl contender? No, I don't think so. But who else are they going to go? I mean, where else are they going to go? So I, I think he's their guy. Uh, I'm going to dive into the mailbag at the NC show uh, on Twitter. Fire questions in. Uh, actually, Stephen's asked about that. The, the Browns quarterback situation. Stephen Malcolm, appreciate the uh, the tweet, Stephen. Uh, should they stick with Baker or be in the market for a veteran quarterback, either free agency or trade? Uh, but the question I wanted to ask you was on. There we go. Kurt Milner. Hey, Kurt. Can Trevor Lawrence finally realize his potential next season under a new Jags? head coach so Doug Peterson of course in the uh, hot seat now in Jacksonville he's had success in the past developing quarterbacks Trevor Lawrence had a disappointing season even by a rookie struggling terrible situation all that all that stuff he was still by that low bar still under it I think and given how hyped we were about it all but I guess we can chalk that up to the Urban Meyer dysfunction central right so where are you on trevor it's gonna be really interesting if trevor lawrence has back-to-back bad seasons it will be really interesting i don't think there's any way that he has as bad a season as he had this season i think we always say that for first year quarterbacks the situation is of paramount importance and i don't think that was ever any ever more depicted than what we saw with Trevor Lawrence this year and what he was put into with the Urban Meyer situation, what he was put into with his offensive line. And I think Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson, an established head coach, who has proven to work well with young quarterbacks with what he did in Carson Wentz in the early parts of that tenure there, I think he has a great opportunity. I think what happens in the draft is really important. I think the major thing they need to do is give him an offensive line give him weapons and give him a better defense to give him more time on the field. So he doesn't have to force things all the time. He isn't constantly trying to make big plays and trying to Mm. catch up on other teams. If they can establish the run game, if they can utilize James Robinson more, if they can have a better offensive line, then I think he'll have a much better possibility of succeeding in this in this league. I mean, we saw it in that Colts game. We saw flashes of absolute brilliance from Trevor Lawrence. He's good with his legs and he certainly has the arm 
and the mentality to be very successful in this league. It's just all about Doug Peterson giving him the best opportunity to flourish mm. and making sure that they utilise. That's why I think with that first pick from what I've seen in mock drafts, they're going to take one of these massive offensive linemen to give that foundation, to give Trevor Lawrence the time, to give James Robinson the time to make plays and to not be constantly putting Trevor Lawrence under pressure, both figuratively speaking mm. and literally speaking. Yeah. And I think that is the key. So I think Trevor Lawrence has a much better season this year. I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are a playoff team because I don't think they're close to what the Titans and the Colts are. But at the same time, like I think what we'll see from Trevor Lawrence this year is enough that then the Jacksonville Jaguars may become a little bit more attractive in free agency with Doug Peterson there. They may become more attractive to those veterans chasing a ring and just say, look, they've got Trevor Lawrence there. Maybe they get a couple of better free agents, a couple of better wide receivers in that market, which then allow them to grow year on year. So that's where I kind of see the Jacksonville Jaguars being at, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I love that. Uh, this is from Darren. He's waiting on <clears throat> the Rogers situation. Uh, and I think it's a reasonable take he's got. Uh, Darren says, isn't it time for Rogers to just bugger off and stop annoying everyone with his diva nonsense? So, <laughs> see where Darren falls on that side. Fair enough. Thanks for that. Uh, and keep those coming in at the NC show. We're uh, going to be rolling through the offseason. Uh, plenty of college days coming your way. Edge rush. We Very exciting. I think I, I trailed this just around the Super Bowl. It's all a bit of a blur now, as I'm sure it is for you, Propo. But uh, a brand new show as well, dropping uh, with our new partners, DraftKings. That's going to be later on in the spring, summer. You can probably guess what kind of direction thematically that show is going to be. So all kinds of stuff rolling with the NC show. Let's wrap this one up by talking futures, odds, yeah. Super Bowl and MVP. Yeah, seeing as we are degenerate gamblers. Where? Um, so I haven't looked at absolute stone cold promise yet. I haven't looked at the future. So I, was th- I think I could have a go. At yes. Predicting, great right? Okay. So I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with favorites for next season. Those joint favorites. Okay. So the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, is it recency bias and overdrive to say uh, the Chiefs? Okay. So I'm flip flopping here between, are they two AFC teams? Give me a clue. Yes. Okay. So it's the Chiefs and the Bills. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So they're two joint favorites. Then, Third favorite, I want to say it's surely not another AFC team. No, no. Okay, so I want to say it's the Cowboys. No, it's the Rams. Oh, I was gonna go Rams, but I yeah. figured, it's, yeah. Okay, so Rams third. It's it's difficult actually thinking this. So the Cowboys. This is interesting. The fourth one is interesting considering what we've discussed in this podcast already about the quarterback situation. There, the 49ers? Yeah, fourth is 49ers. So the Chiefs are 13 to 2, Bills are 13 to 2, Rams are 10 to 1, 49ers are 12 to 1 on the provider that I'm looking at. And then it's the uh the almighty Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Straight after that, 14 to 1. How do you feel about I mean, God, I don't want to open up that kind of website. I know it's still, yeah. still probably raw and emotional, but in terms of as a team set up, and I I did a piece off the back of the Super Bowl in the Times about Burrow and and and, and the aftermath, really, and, and how the future's bright. We know how difficult for all kinds of reasons it is for teams to rebound from uh, from a Super Bowl loss. But the Bengals are set up better than most, right? The cap space you've got, it's so favorable. It's a, it's the retention of pretty much all the key protagonists. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bates, we haven't really got into tag. They have to pay Jesse Bates. Have, that's a fair, yeah, they have to pay that. That's just a, that's a done deal. Like, I honestly think the Bengals... The Bengals fan base would go into like almost mm-hmm. revolt if they don't pay Jesse Bates, considering how much he is beloved by all the players in that organization and all the fans, and how he is easily one of the best safeties in this league and one of the best defensive players. I think there's a very real chance the Bengals are amongst well, the, the odds are suggesting it amongst the favorites for the for the AFC again. Now, and obviously with the Chiefs and the Bills are going to contend it, that's that makes it problematic. But I'm confident that the Bengals are back in the playoffs next season. Yeah, I think the only um, the only issue I have for the Cincinnati Bengals isn't from their side, it's from everyone around them. It's considering right. how, who do the Pittsburgh Steelers get? How um, well do Baltimore Ravens rebound, considering yeah. how banged up they were this season? Do yeah. the Cleveland Browns return mm-hmm. to where they were the season before that, considering how banged up they were last season? So that's my only fear for the Cincinnati Bengals is they are amongst a serious level of teams. But at the same time, I mean, it's so blatant what they need to do 
it's like if their organization, if the front office, Duke Tobin, isn't able to kind of sort those issues out, then it would be remarkable because it's so blatant they need to fix the offensive line. Mm. And we're going into a free agency where it is blessed with a lot of decent um, offensive linemen. You've got the likes of Taron Armstead out of the New Orleans Saints. They're likely to let him go considering their cap issues. Mike Daniels out of the Bears. He's a decent guard. You've got Ryan Jensen coming out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's likely that you get at least two, maybe even three offensive linemen in free agency alone. And then we're going into a draft where there also seems to be deep in offensive line talent. So they can draft through, they can draft decent offensive linemen as well. So I think that is such a blatant issue for the Bengals that they should, they should, emphasis on the should, be able to fix. Obviously, whether or not they do that is a whole nother kettle of fish. But at the same time, if they fix that offensive line, the fact that you've got Joe Mixon playing the way he is with one of the offensive, worst offensive lines in the league, and the fact that you've got Joe Burrow playing the way he did with one of the worst defensive lines in the league. I mean, that is just a recipe for serious success going forward. And one more, if I'm really picky, just one more pass rusher. I thought once they took away mm-hmm. Trey Hendrickson in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. we really struggled, especially with Larry Ogunjobi being injured. Yeah. We got, Matt Stafford had way too much time in that fourth quarter, way too much time. So I think that is the other area where we could potentially improve. So my my ideal free agency for the Cincinnati Bengals is build the offensive line through free agency, spend mm-hmm. that cap space, what you've got left after paying Jesse Bates what he deserves, build the offensive line through free agency and then go out and get a pass rusher in the draft. And I think mm. if we do that, we should be set up to have a really good season, not only because we're attracting veteran free agents who are chasing that ring. Yeah. Did you hear what Rob Gronkowski said? What did the Gronk say? Gronk said he, he might come back for one more year, but the only kind of place that he's actually really interested in is going to play with Joe Burrow. I mean, this is incredible. You think about the Bengals for years, just the last, you know, the last outpost for the lack of the facilities were rubbish. The money wasn't there. You know, it was just a free agency. It's like, oh God, all right, we'll go, we'll go to Cincinnati. Now it's the, one of the most in-demand places there. It's the, the borough factor. Yeah, it's literally the, uh, the borough factor. Anyway, so who, come on now, I'm going to push you here. Yeah. Who, give me your favourite for the Super Bowl next season, and then give me an outside <laughs> pick. Love it. February the 25th. Uh, okay. Favourite at the moment for the Super Bowl next year would be... I'm going to say Dallas. I'm, 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 I'm quite big on Dallas uh, to have a strong year. With Mike because- McCarthy. With, yeah, with Mike McCarthy. Uh, oh, yes, he has won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I just yeah, I know, but I don't know. The way they played in the in the playoffs this season, some of the decisions he's made this season. I mean, he, to me, is the biggest question mark on that organisation, not any of the players. I am not sure that is fair on him. Uh, I think he is definitely a coach that is, yes, I I think the conservatism of some of the play calling was apparent. I feel that because of the era that we're in with, O'Connell and Zach Taylor and McVeigh and too many coaches younger than me in the league. <laughs> but I think the likes of McCarthy get um, uh, marginalised and there is a negative perspective because they feel unreconstructed and old school. And I'm not sure that's necessarily the coach that he is. I just think it's, it's an abundance of talent on both sides of the roster. And uh, look, I, I, it's, this is a February the twenty fifth pick, right? But okay, maybe they're my dark horse then. Okay, now maybe we'll go Cowboys dark horse, which I think it's fair to call them a dark horse for a Super Bowl run, right? Is Sixteen that- to one. I don't know if you can necessarily call that a dark mm. horse. And also, the thing that they've got, which is a great point, is they've got a great chance of coming out of that NFC, especially if exactly does leave Green Bay. That's the interesting. That's where you can't well, see the value there. And NFC and certainly the division and and yeah. conference. Um, I again, they have to be amongst the favorites for sure. You, Dallas and the AFC is a different conversation, right? But mm-hmm. uh, I like that. I like Dallas in the NFC a lot. In the AFC, I, yeah, I, I think the Bills will will yeah. be have to be there again for, for all kinds of reasons. But I do really like the I really like the, your Bengals. I do. I think they're going to be right up there I, for the reasons you've just very eloquently outlined. I think they're going to be they're going to be serious contenders again. I've been on the Chiefs when many weren't and again for the same reasons i need to god there's so many variables here but assuming the retention of the majority uh, of the key protagonists on both sides of the ball for them 100 they're going to be again it's idiocy that was flying around for much of the season that their dynasty's done and they're done is was was proved to be nonsense and i think again we'll see them in the mix so 
yeah, a surprise team. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how some of these cards fall off, you know, because at the moment, you, you, do I feel confident saying the Browns? Oh, no, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. we got we got to talk about it over the coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. I think that's why if you're going to make a February the 25th pick, that's why I think the Buffalo Bills make the most sense because yeah. they're the team that you're looking on this list who have you have the most faith in that they're going to bring effectively the whole roster back and they're going to be able mm-hmm. to keep everything relatively constant. And obviously, I think they they would have probably been to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for 15 seconds of absolute brilliance from Patrick Mahomes. As much as I love my Bengals, I do think that would have been a bad matchup for us. And I think that mm. Josh Allen and this Bengals, uh, this Bills team deserve a Super Bowl. The one that I'm interested in is actually those AFC North teams. Like, I think that's where you can see the value because... If you look at the 49ers, they were the team the year before who obviously mm. had a bad year and then went into the next season. Mm-hmm. And they demonstrated that it was just injuries and that when they were healthy, they were a very, very good team. And I think so the Ravens, before, you think? Yeah, I think the Ravens, that exact team, I think yeah. everyone is kind of low on them because of what they saw last season. Yeah. When in essence, they were really, really banged up. And yeah, I think they're yeah, only yeah. going to get stronger. They have a high draft pick. They can potentially go and get Lamar Jackson more help in that receiving game. And I think 20 to 1 is a lot of value there. Yeah, good shout. What about MVP? Quick ones on early MVP. So it's got to be that all the protagonists connected there, right? So Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, top three. Yeah. So Mahomes and interestingly, Mahomes, Rogers, and Josh Allen are all Rogers, sure. joint favorites. Yeah. Um, followed by Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, who are both 14 to 1. Matthew Stafford is 16 to 1. Dak Prescott is 18 to 1, which I think is interesting. Then, of course, you've got the Derek Henry at 20 to 1. We haven't even talked about the Tennessee Titans quarterback situation or whether they Oh, they've got to stay run. with Tannehill. They've I know they do because of what else is going on there but yeah. at the same time that I don't think they're going to come out of the AFC with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback mm, I think we've seen that. yeah fair. I think they might need to make some moves um, I'm trying to look down this list as well I mean you could go for Cooper Cup 28 to 1 if you think he's going to be able to replicate well, it this season seeing as he was my pick for Super Bowl MVP of course though and that I hope that came critting for those of you we haven't even that. spoken about the fact that we finished 16 and 6 both of us were tied we did unbelievable unbelievable I mean and I think appropriately so I think it was I yeah. think that was the fair I think a tie was the fair end game for our season. But I, look, we should pat ourselves. The Americans are hating it right now. <laughs> There's an American listening being like, classic Brits ending on a tie and being yeah. comfortable with it. Yeah. A tie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're just here relishing in our success at 16-6. But also, well, my 7-1 uh, double came off. Your 7-1 to one double did come off, exactly right. In about 15 minutes as well. So I guess that was some solace for you that with everything going on, you at least you, you you made a few dollars. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, I mean, it was a it was an incredible experience. I mean, what a stadium, what a halftime show, what a game. But ultimately, as I said earlier in the show, the one shining light that came out of it was that I think there was, and I said this on the show before. I t- I don't think there's a player in the league who deserved the Super Bowl more than Aaron Donald. Yeah, and I think that him making that play the way he did on the last play of the game to win mm-hmm. it for them was the sort of Cinderella ending yeah. to what is what has been an incredible career and is likely probably going to continue depending on whether the Rams can bring everyone back is what he said. But mm-hmm. I think that's where, and obviously Andrew Whitworth is a man who is absolutely beloved by the whole Bengals organization, fans, mm-hmm. everyone within it. So everyone's happy to see him win a Super Bowl as well. And I think that is a great story there. Cooper Cup was the best. Like that game was taken over by arguably the two best players in the league from Mm -hmm. both sides of the ball this season in Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. And they were definitely the two best players on the field on that Mm -hmm. day. As much as I love Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, there's no doubt that Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald were the two best players on either team. And the fact that those two took over the game and effectively won it for the LA Rams demonstrates just why this league is so great and why I think the cream always does rise to the top. And I was very happy for both of them, Mm. but that didn't stop me not speaking for like 20 minutes after the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> only 20 minutes I would, have, I would have had you down the over under at least 75 but I was I was technically working so I kind of had yeah. to speak do you know what I mean yeah. um, it's, I managed to squeeze in I think five illegal cigarettes inside SoFi Stadium in that 20 minutes though you and Snoop were you, were you just out of shot when Snoop was uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly getting ready for his uh, yeah I'm with you I mean and the, the, uh, uh, it's been um, I think it's been well documented now but we were talking about it very much in the studio on the night uh OC in particular was emphasizing that the penultimate Donald play was arguably less yeah. flashy, but arguably tougher to execute. Right. And, uh, and crucial, I mean, crucial, crucial stuff from him. So uh, it was, yeah, it must've been a, a special, special old fortnight for you. And, you know, like you said, I think 
don't be surprised if the Bengals are back sooner rather than later. I think you can at least live with cause for optimism proper. And we will roll again with our edge rush. So the thing that we, the fact we've tied means that we're not going to, not going to keep going forever. It. You know what I saw that I was really, really annoyed that I wasn't out there with you was, which they didn't have when we were in Miami and I had never seen before at the, uh, the NFL experience. I saw someone doing the 40 yard dash. They had the 40 yard dash. And I, oh, I didn't fight. see that. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere so near dodged, the 40 yard so dash. Are you joking that? that? I'm so not going anywhere near the 40 yard dash. The yeah. one thing that you did miss out on though, now, I have to say mm. in LA was the media party. Did you know where it was? Was it Universal Studios? It was at Universal Studios, free food, free alcohol, and the rides had no, literally no cues whatsoever. And when I say I was with Adi Oladipo, Mm -hmm. who's an established broadcaster for DAZN and TalkSport, and I think he's about in his late 30s, Rory Jennings, obviously the Chelsea influencer, very successful on kickoff. I'm sure your boys love him. They're both in their late 30s. When I say that they turned into children, <laughs> that is not that is not an over like a overstatement. And Ollie Hunter as well, obviously well known within the NFL community, also in his late 30s. When I say that they were running around Universal Studios and running to each ride, there was a moment that I went, I went to the loo literally for five seconds, came out, and it's about 7 p.m. No one's had dinner yet. And Ollie Hunter and Roy Jones are just standing there eating ice cream just because it was free and just because they could. Like it was. And absolutely, it was one of those moments so where you're like, that it was such a surreal experience to be in yeah. an empty Universal Studios. And all of the American journalists were kind of just standing around having a drink, probably yeah, networking, yeah, probably yeah. doing the all of the were... smart things. Whereas you literally had the whole of the UK NFL community, the Irish NFL show boys. I mean, Hannah Wilkes, I think, was crying as she walked into the Hogwarts of Universal Studios because <laughs> she was so excited. I mean, it was, the whole thing was absolutely Love sensational, it. but obviously would have only been made better if I had the likes of you, Carlson and Ben. Oh, thanks, Propo. Next time, you can count Next on it. Time. Next time. Brilliant stuff. Uh, as we talked about a few times, rolling through the off-season. So keep it with us. Don't fear. We're going to start to up the frequency again. College days rolling. Uh, general NFL shows rolling, edge rush rolling. And as I say, keep your eyes peeled for a brand new format coming your way a little bit later. We got, we got plans, proper. We got plans. Do we? We do. We got to work on them. Sometimes. We got to, we got to get a meeting again. Uh, Brilliant (laughs) stuff. At the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's how you follow us. Get in touch with the show, whichever pod platform you're on. Big up to everyone who's been leaving reviews on Spotify. I only stumbled across this the other day, but loads and loads of really, really nice uh, reviews Uh, on spotify plenty on itunes we really appreciate that if you've got five minutes it helps us helps us keep our sponsors happy puts a smile on propo's face uh so if you've got five minutes to 30 seconds have it on the text we would massively appreciate that look after yourself propo see you next time here's my man sports social podcast network